This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I know we got an excited bunch of people tonight. You are ready. How many saw our little thing that we put on Facebook today, a major reason believers fail to receive from God? Anybody see that? I didn't look at it. Pastor David does that for me. Anyway, tonight we're going to talk about a major reason that believers fail to receive from God. How many know the Bible is full of promises and statements by God that tells us that he wants to bless us, wants things to happen to our lives? But uh, we're not all walking at all that God has for us. I don't know anybody that's walking at it all. But the thing is, there's some things we can do to check up on ourselves and to make changes in to get us more in position to receive all that God has for us. Amen. I want to show you a couple of things out of the bookstore. Uh, this one here is called Turning Hopeless Situations Around. Turning Hopeless Situations Around. And I was thinking after worshiping God, last year in this very church at this time, there was a pastor that couldn't hardly come through those doors. He had stage four blood cancer. They come to find out he had 99% of his main artery in his heart blocked off. Barely came through those doors. You know what that pastor's doing now? He's walking and leaping and praising God. I call that a hopeless situation. That looked pretty hopeless. And then before he gets there, you know what he's doing? He's got a two and a half acre lake that he's cutting weeds and reeds and stuff out of. He's got a, he's got a hundred, hundred uh, pistachio tree orchard that he's trimming and working in. Plus the other things. That doesn't sound like a dead man, does it? Not a dead man. You know why? I learned how to turn a hopeless situation around. And things in this book, amen, give the Lord a hand. That's a great thing that he did. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. You're obedient. You're the one to be blessed. Well, praise the Lord. You received the book then. Amen. Amen. You're welcome, babe. I'll tell you, I'll better get more claps next time. And then one thing, in turning hope situations around, this is the Bible way to receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible way to receive the Holy Spirit. And, it, you know, if you've never been around a church like this, you hear us praying in tongues and talking about tongues and things you don't understand. If you have any any questions, you'd like to know more, talk to that lady right there. This one right here, biggest skeptic, biggest doubter, this kind of thing, probably has ever been through the doors. And now she's like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than y'all. He's from the South, wasn't he? Anyway, anyway, this book right here, Melinda bought these books out of the bookstore on, sub, on this subject. Just buying the books, taking them home, buying the books, taking them home. And one day she walks in the church speaking in tongues. You know why? She found out it's in the Bible. And she went to a church for a lot of years that didn't do those kind of things, didn't talk about them. I don't know if it's against them or not, but the main thing is it's in the Bible. And anyway, that's a key to turning hopeless situations around to get filled with the Spirit and become a tongue talker. Now, who was it that was questioning that they wanted that book? Who was thinking, I wish I knew more? Nobody. I'll give it, I'll give, I'll give it to Amy. I'll give you that book, ma'am. Take that home and that will help you. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting already. (laughs) Oh, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to thank you that number one, you came down to earth. You lived a sinless life 
You died for our sins. You were raised from the dead so we could be free from Satan's bodies, Lord. And Lord, you said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm so grateful that I lived long enough to call upon your name back in 1980. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You allowed me to live that long to call upon your name. I thank you that I'm saved. And Lord, I want to thank you for a church full of people that are either saved, born again by your blood, or they're ready to do so tonight. We just want to thank you, Jesus, that you're the one that gave it all so we could have it all. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. 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 So for your notes, and I do hope you're taking notes, uh, a major reason believers fail to receive from God. We're going to start James chapter 1. And verse 21 is where we'll start. I'll give you a chance to get there. But I want to remind you, and maybe you don't know this, but all of our sermons pretty much are online. Go to hdwc.org, and it'll hook you right up for our sermons pretty much within 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 a week, usually within two or three days. What we preach is online. Like I said, sometimes they're not online because sometimes there's things that... Uh, People out there listen to them can turn things around. You know how they do, you know how they mess with words and stuff for politicians and preachers. So we teach the word of God, but we don't want to open ourselves up for attacks either. Sometimes something's for the church only, not for the world. Amen? So you can, you can go online and get this if you don't get it here, but tonight we're talking about a major reason believers fail to receive from God. And I really, I really believe that if you will listen, take notes, that you're having a hard time getting prayers answered. Uh, having a difficult time, having things show up in your life that the Bible says is yours, that you know other people that are received from God on, then this will help you. And so James one twenty one says this, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. It's kind of hard for a Christian that lives in uh, rank sin to be blessed. It says, get rid of it. As superfluity of naughtiness, and my center column said that means abundance of wickedness. And you're, if you got to do living translation, something probably says that. It says get rid, get rid of living wickedly and living simply and receive with meekness the engrafted word. That's the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, you know, if you're a person that doesn't read the Bible closely, that might confuse you. The book of James is written to Christians. Now, Christians are already saved, right? So why does he say that the implanted word is able to save your souls? Well, if you're already saved, why is your soul to be saved? Because your soul is not your spirit. You're a spirit being. You possess a soul, your mind, will, and emotions. And you live in a physical body. When you get born again and the Holy Spirit changes your heart from darkness to light, you've got all the Jesus you're ever going to have. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18 says, You have the nature of God as a new creature of Christ, and says all things are of God that's in your spirit. But then your soul, your mind, your emotions, they need changed. One of the biggest things that cause people problems because they haven't had their soul saved or renewed or changed. And that word saved there from, from the word soteria is, is the thing that means there's a progression going on on the inside of you that your mind, Romans 12, 2 says, must be renewed by the Word of God. And so you're sitting in a service like this, and there's a real possibility, when I talked about tongues a minute ago, that some people that have been taught contrary to what the Bible says about tongues, they're probably going, I didn't know about this. How do I get out of here? i got people on the left, people on the right. I don't want to jump over them. I'll just sit still. 
And the reason been is because your soul has not been saved in that area yet. That means your mind has not been renewed to what the Bible says. And people, people that have been around other different churches where they teach that God puts sickness on you to teach you something. God wants to make you sick or hurt you to make you a better person. Well, that's totally contrary to the Word of God. But when your soul, the implanted Word, changes your thinking to agree with the Word of God, all of a sudden you recognize, well, wait a minute. If God puts something on me to teach me something, then how come Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes still kill, destroy? And Jesus came to me to have and enjoy life. I can't enjoy life if I'm sick. I can't enjoy life if my baby's sick. I don't enjoy life if my loved one died before their time. That's not enjoying life. How could have God done that if Jesus said the thief did that? And so you start seeing verses like that, and that means that implanted word is beginning to save your soul. Your spirit's saved, but your soul needs to be changed. And so as your thinking changes then, then when your mind, when your soul begins to get in harmony with your spirit where God lives, and you live in a physical body, so your three-part being, spirit, soul, and body, well, when two of you in agreement with God, your spirit, your soul, guess what your body says? Well, I've been voted down. I'm going to go with God, then I'm healed. I'm going to go with God. I'm going to act right. I'm going to do right. Amen. Can you see what I'm saying? So he says, receive with meekness. And that word meekness just simply means teachableness. you got to always be teachable. you got to always be, you always got to be, Lord, I want to approach your word every time I hear it as if I've never heard it before. Jesus, teach me the Bible. Jesus, show me what I need to see. Lord, if I've got any, if I've got any wrong thinking, Lord, change my thinking. Amen. You know what I'm saying? That's what he says. So receive with a, a teachable spirit the implanted word. But then verse 22 says, but be you doers of the word. That means put into practice. That means to act on the word you know. But be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And so Christians that begin to hear and understand God's word, but don't put it into practice, don't act on it in their everyday life, it says there's self-deception. And as a pastor, for a lot of years, I actually started preaching back in the springtime of 1981, so how many years is that? So I've been around a little bit. You know, I realize I look probably like I'm about 40 years old, but I'm a little bit older than 40. Don't tell my wife, though. She thinks she got a young. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm saying is I've been around long enough, but this verse right here, as a pastor, I see is one of the biggest problems in a lot of Christians' lives. He said that when Christians hear God's word, but they refuse to act on it, put it in practice every day life, says it's called self-deception, deceiving their own selves. And so I've watched Christians over the year, I see them absolutely disobeying the Word of God in obvious areas of their life. Absolutely everybody can sit with them because they're self-deception. Let me give you one little definition of a deceived person. A, de- a deceived person never knows they are because they're deceived. They think the whole world's whole world's wrong, the only one right. You ever seen people like that, that it's obvious that everybody, everybody is getting results except them, but they think everybody else is wrong except them. They think they're going to change the Word of God. So anyway, a, a deceived person, they never know they are, 
And so as a pastor, what I've noticed over the years, people that obviously are violating the Word of God, they go around rebuking the devil all the time. Satan, I bind you. Satan, I rebuke you. Well, what they need to do is stop and look in the mirror and say, I rebuke me. I'm going to start acting on the Word of God. And when they begin to put into practice what they hear, they'll begin to get results. Amen. I want you to look at verse 25. Skip over a few verses. Verse 25 says, But whoso looketh unto the perfect law of liberty, liberty means freedom. Perfect law of liberty is the Word of God. It says you look into the Word of God, that's the law that will set you free. The Word of God will set you free from whatever has, has a hold on you. It says continues therein. That means be a Christian that develops a steady a habit, it becomes your custom that you read the Word of God regularly yourself. You read faith books. Uh, today it's so easy to listen to faith sermons online. There's many different ways you can do it. But the main thing is, when you find some 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 some, some Bible verses, some words, some things like we're teaching tonight, you think, man, that's just what I need to hear. Oh, praise God. Pastor spoke to my heart. Well, that was God speaking to you. But he talked to me. Well, don't just listen to it and walk away. He says, continues therein. Go home, look at your notes, go on the podcast and listen to it again. It says, continue therein and be not a forgetful hearer, but a what? A doer. There's that word again. Don't just hear it, but a doer. It says, of the, of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. His deed is an action. That's doing something. And so it says the one that continues and the one that does it, that's the one that's blessed. Well, what's the opposite of blessed? Well, just unblessed, not blessed. And so it says, if you're going to receive the blessing of what the Word of God says to do, you continue in it. You put it into practice and you do it. That's what it says to do. Now, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to give you a nugget here that we're going to be looking at as we preach tonight. Years ago, as a pastor, Jesus told me to tell the people, that he looks at three things in the life of a believer. And really, it'd be good to write these down. If you got a pen, if you got a pencil, if you got a... I know some of you are really quick with the double thumb stuff. I can't do the double thumb. I'm still a pecker. But, uh, you know, you kind of peck at it and kind of work at it. But anyway, if you're taking notes on your iPad or iPhone, Jesus looks at three things in the life of a believer. Number one, Jesus looks at your heart. How many know that's a big thing with God? He looks at your heart. Because sometimes, even if you're messing up, but God sees your heart's right, He can have a whole lot of mercy on you if you've got a right heart. Jesus looks at your heart. Jesus looks at your words. Jesus wants to hear what you've got to say. And you know, that's we teach on words so much in this church, I'm not even going to get into it much tonight, except Jesus, one of His greatest teachings in Mark chapter 11, verse 23 Jesus said, we, speaking in his name to mountains in our life, can tell the mountain to be removed. It has to obey us. But then Jesus closes that discourse off in Mark eleven twenty three by saying this. He says, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And so Jesus is watching your words. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 3, chapter 4, it says, Jesus is the high priest of our confession. And that doesn't mean I confess to a priest at a Catholic church. 
That means your confession he's talking about there is the word homologia. I don't want to go down and get deep. But anyway, that means, that means he's the, he's the high priest that watch over the words that come out of your mouth. And when you're talking right, words that are in line with God's word, then Jesus can back them up. If you're not talking in line with God's word, then Jesus just stand and stare because he can't do anything because he backs up his word. And so Jesus is watching your heart. He's watching your words. And now this third thing is what we're going to talk about. He's watching your actions. You know, we've already seen some verses that says, be you doers of the word and not hearers only. Act on the word and don't just listen. So in a church like ours, that teaches so heavy on uh, the Holy Spirit, your heart, your conscience, and that kind of thing. Most people that come to this church consistently don't have any problem with adjusting their heart, with keeping a clean heart. We take communion once a month, and at every communion service we do, we give people time to look at their hearts, adjust their hearts, and change their hearts. Uh, we, we preach so many things about your accountability to God and your character and things like that, that most people in a church like this, they continually, on their own, watch their hearts with God. And they're quick to repent, they're quick to forgive, quick to make sure they're not being a con man with God. And so this church doesn't have a lot of trouble with people that just really have wrong, evil hearts because we keep enough conviction here through the word we preach that people change. And then on the word part, I mean, man, we teach on your words up one side and down the other. And people come to this church. I'd say if somebody comes to this church for six months, man, they, they're going to buy gray tape and put it over their mouth. Because they don't want to say wrong things. Man, I'm going to shut up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to zip the lip. I'm, I'm going to watch out what I say because my words will make me or break me. And so no problem with that. But what I've observed for believers out of those three things Jesus told me, heart, words, and actions, is being a doer. Because we watch our hearts, we watch our words, but then we got to put into action. we got to put into action what we believe in our heart and what our words are said out of our mouth. It's one thing to have the word in there, speaking it out there, but then follow through with action. That's where the blessing comes from. Got to act on it. You know, think about this. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, 10, and 13, the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, God raised from the dead, we'll be saved. It says, for with the heart... We believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Well, see, that's the word right there. How many people, especially in the United States, have ever been to a church and heard those words? Have you received Christ? Have you received Jesus? How many wants to receive Jesus and confess Him as your Savior? And they show it to Him in the Bible, they hear it, but they don't get saved because verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So they had in front of them exactly what to do to become a born-again Christian. They heard from the Word of God. It's believe in the heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. But then verse 13 says you got to do it. They don't do it. They didn't act on the Word. So you know what they did? They left that church in self-deception. Because James, the brother Jesus, said, if any be a hearer and not a doer, they deceive themselves. So they leave the church... And they think everything's okay. Well, the Bible plainly says, 
that your righteousness is as filthy rags. That just being good doesn't get you to heaven, but being saved gets you to heaven. And you don't get saved because you went to grandma's church. I went to grandma's church when I was a boy, the Baptist church. That didn't get me saved. When I was 28 and a half years old, I called upon the name of the Lord and I got saved. Not because I went to grandma's church, but because I heard about Jesus and I called upon the name of the Lord, I got saved. But you know what? I had a lot of friends that were 28 years old back in my peer group back then. And I told them the same thing I, I heard and I knew about Jesus. They didn't call upon the name of the Lord. And so they're self-deceived. You hear what I'm saying? Jesus said he looks at your heart, your words, and your actions. And so we want to make some adjustments. And so I, I heard Gloria Copeland once say this. I wrote it in my Bible, and every time I get a new Bible, I write it in there. Gloria Copeland said, it's not what you hear and know, it's what you hear and do that gets results. That'd be a good one for some of you to write down. It's not what you hear and know, because I'll tell you what, we've got a lot of people that memorize the Bible. We've got a lot of people that quote scriptures, but they live like the devil. And so it's what you know and do that gets results. And so we want to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And so uh, in our church, we have a lot of people hear a lot of word. But I'm, I'm just believing God. That percentage of people are starting to obey the word is going to change. We've got to have an increase in people receiving the blessings of God. I want you to look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at verse Start at verse 35, and this is really a great example. Of, of the value that God places on his word. And, and, and really to be able to imitate Jesus' mother in our life would be a great thing to do in this instance right here. Luke chapter 1 verse 35 says, and the angel talked about Gabriel. She appeared to Mary, you know, when she was a young girl. Answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now, there's scriptures that we all look at sometimes and we might think, Man, how could God ever do that in my life? That looks so impossible. How could God do that? And think about Mary. She wasn't a born-again Christian. She didn't sit in a church that taught the Bible because the Bible wasn't written yet, the New Testament. And so she's a nice little Jewish girl, young girl. And how, just to put this in modern talk, she said, Mary, the Holy Ghost is going to get you pregnant. How many know that's what happened? The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost fertilized an egg inside of Mary's womb with the Word of God. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, The Word grew flesh and walked among us. And so she was going to get pregnant by the Holy Ghost. And so that would be a hard one to swallow, wouldn't it? Try to figure that out. How about if you have an impossible situation in your health, in your finances, in your family, and God tells you from the Word of God, He gives you verses. I'm absolutely going to turn that around. You're going to get a miracle. These people in your family that have absolutely despised you for what you believe, 
the ones that ignore you, that cuss you, that laugh at you. They're coming to the family of God, and you're going to fellowship with them. That would kind of just make you think, what? How can this be? But you got to hook up with it. When God tells you something, God gives you something. And so then, verse 37, when she questioned him, says, For with God, nothing. Or when I say that word, I see two words, no thing. Nothing, no thing, with God, shall be impossible. A man gets stage four blood cancer, 99% blockage in his heart artery, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. You're on the face of bankruptcy, or maybe you just went through bankruptcy, and God's wanting your life to get turned around where you're debt-free and able to buy your own house. Or maybe for some reason, you lost a really great job, and God says, watch me, I'm going to promote you. You're getting a new job better than the last one. They say, how can this be? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God. Without God, (laughs) hardly anything is possible. Except getting in trouble. But with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now look at this. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Now look at this right here. She said... Be it unto me according to thy word. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And so, whenever you see anything in God's word, the first thing you must do is shut off your head and do what Mary did. You need to say to the Lord, Be it unto me according to thy word. And so I want to say this to you tonight. I'm going to challenge you again. Wednesday night, we, we ought to call this the challenge zone, really, you know it? We ought to change our service to the challenge zone. Because when the meat eaters come out on Wednesday night, we're going to challenge you. And here's the challenge. How many know that Mary ended up getting pregnant by the Holy Ghost and she, she, she carried the Son of God into this life? And, you know, she, the angel had to have permission. She had to give God permission to do that. See, God is not a trespasser. God would not trespass in Mary's life. God would not trespass into her womb without her permission. So when that angel said, the Holy Ghost could overshadow you, and that thing that you're going to conceive is going to be the Son of God. And she said, how could this be? Angel said, with God, nothing's impossible. And so immediately she says, bid unto me according to thy word. In your life, when God gives you verses that speaks to your heart, and God says, I'm going to get you that job, instead of acting like a nut and saying stupid things and closing the door on that job, you immediately need to say, Be it unto me according to thy word, Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Psalm 75 says, Promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west north and the south. But a promotion comes from God. Says he puts down one and sets up another. And so every time when I was a truck driver years ago, I used to drive big trucks before I was a preacher. When I was a truck driver uh, back in the 60s, 70s, back back when they changed some regulatory laws over the trucking industry, 
all of a sudden, good teamsters' companies started dropping like flies. And when the companies went out, every time a company I was with went, went under, I'd say, Jesus, I want to thank you. I'm getting promoted. The better's coming. I want to thank you, Jesus. That's not the, that's not the end of my money. That's not the end of my benefits. I want to thank you, Jesus. Better's coming because you told me promotion comes from heaven. So I want to thank you, Jesus. I'm getting promoted. At every time in my life, when I've been challenged and things like that, I've always said, be it unto me according to thy word. I receive promotion, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Amen. You hear what I'm saying? You need to get that verse in your heart, in your mouth, in your thinking, and every time you're challenged with the crisis of life, the first thing you've got to do is find out Bible verses, chapter and verse, Bible verses, that tell you what God wants to do in that situation. You need to write them down, put them on three by five cards, put them on your screen savers, put them in your notebook, write them out and put a big piece of paper in your Bible. I've always done that. I've always put extra piece of paper on my Bible, verses on them, so I don't just see them in the Bible, but I hope my Bible jumps off at me again, and I pull it out, and I look at it, and then when you find those verses as you're facing the crisis, you need to quote the verse up to heaven to Jesus and say, Lord, bid unto me according to thy word. Let's practice that one time. Say this. Say, bid unto me according to thy word. Say that again. Say, bid unto me according to thy word. Now give your neighbor a high five. Say, amen and so be it. Say amen and so be it. Amen. God work your life. Now I want to show you another of them in the book of Luke. Go over to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And I want to challenge you to become not just a hearer, not just a talker, but a doer of the word of God that you're hearing. Luke chapter 5, it says that it came to pass, verse 1, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishmen were going out of them and were washing their nets. What that means is this. Think about your job. and Think about Dave's job. I'm going to ask Dave a question. And I already know the answer. Dave, do you put your tools away greasy and dirty and just all messed up, or do you clean them first? Does that mean you're done for the day? I mean, unless you get a emergency call or something. I mean, if you've worked all day long, he's a mechanic, works on big, heavy equipment and stuff. If he works on his stuff and he cleans his tools up, he washes his hands, whatever else he does, that means I've done all I'm doing today, I'm done. No more work today. So get a picture of this, whatever your work is, whatever you do, or if you're retired, whatever you used to do. These guys were commercial fishermen. And I don't know if you've ever seen those guys or not. I haven't really seen them up close here in the Pacific part, but on the Atlantic, we used to go out to Rhode Island a lot, and they got they got a place down there called Galilee. And it's, it's a little inlet, comes in off the Atlantic Ocean, and there's nothing but commercial fishermen there. And we used to, I, I used to be fascinated. I'd go watch those guys with big nets bring those fish in. They had these portable crane things on the on their ships they did. They'd put the big nets down the holes full of fish. They'd pull those fish up like that, and those nets were nasty. They stunk. 
had dead stuff in them. And so when these fishermen came back and took their nets out and cleaned them up, that means we're done for the day. We're doing no more today. We're all cleaned up. And so it says they, they came back and they were washing their nets. And then Jesus entered, one, entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, that's Peter. And he asked him to thrust him out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And so in other words, there's a big multitude of people there. And Jesus wanted to get in a prominent place where they all seem. So he went out of the ship a little bit from the, from the land to teach the people. And then it says when he had left, when he was finished speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught or for a big catch. He said, go back out again. He said for a big catch. And Simon answered, said, Master, we toiled all the night and have taken nothing. That's in other words, he's not some little guy with some little boat that says, I'm going to go catch a fish. He's a guy with a big boat. He's got a crew. He knows where the fish are. You know, they, they have all those fish detectors and radars and sonars and all that stuff now like they go out there with and cameras. He's a guy that knew where the fish traveled at in the Sea of Galilee. He knew where to fish at, knew what to do. He knew the things. And he said, Jesus, we worked all night long. The fish aren't biting. We're not getting them. We're not getting in the nets. Said it's not working, and we've already cleaned them up. And so think about that. Got everything all cleaned up, and Jesus says, you guys didn't do any good last night, but go back out for a big catch. And I want you to see what Peter said to him. He said, we've toiled all night, taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, at thy word, I will let down the net. He said, at thy word, I'm going back again. And what that says to me is this. I've learned this years and years and years ago. There's so many times I've done things that I knew were right things. I've been in situations I knew I did right, acted right, I talked right, prayed right, treated people right, and I failed. But then Jesus, through his word, spoke to me, go do it again. And so my whole thing was, Jesus, it didn't work last time. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'm going back out. It's going to work this time. Nevertheless, at thy word. In other words, Peter acted on the words of Jesus. How many know the New Testament is the words of Jesus? And when we are here to serve and preach, teach of the Word of God, when we are reading the Word of God, and all of a sudden, that Word bears witness your spirit, all of a sudden you know, that's God talking to me. I don't know about you, that's the way the whole Bible is to me. I, I, I never just see Bible stories. I always put myself in the story. But I'm reading the Bible... I always see it as God personally talking to me. And I know there's some very special verses. Last year when I was going through that crisis in my life, there's some very special verses. Matter of fact, about a dozen different passages. I'm a, I'm a man of the word. I had about a dozen different passages 
that I continually read on all last year because they were words from God to me. Tell me what to do to come through that crisis. And so I didn't just hear them. You know what I actually did last year? I made adjustments. I made changes. I checked my heart. I washed my mouth. But you know, the most important thing I did. I acted on the word God gave me. I did what God told me to do. And you know what I got? I got what God said I could have. I received divine healing from God last year. Because I acted on the word of God. Nevertheless, at thy word. And so I want you to just think about these phrases that I've showed you out of the word of God. Mary said, be it unto me, according to thy word. Peter said, Jesus, we tried it all night. Nothing worked, but he didn't stop there. He said, Jesus, nevertheless, at thy word, we're going back out again. We're going to do it again. But then I want you to notice the next verse. And when they had this done, they enclosed, or they caught a great multitude of fishes, so much that their net broke. Think about that. How would you like to be whatever it is in your house, in your family, in your life that didn't work so much, so amazing, absolutely a multitude of blessings so much that it's just your mind can't comprehend it. People look at you and think, man, this is unreal. This is unreal. I think it might be kind of like my life. After God looked like he was dead last year, and I got a 10-acre farm with a two-and-a-half-acre lake and a big old orchard and all the stuff going on. And not only that, but she's got a live husband. That's her love slave. That works all over that place. No, to me, that's kind of the Peter category. Nevertheless, at thy word. So we went and bought this place with the blessing of God. Almost got it paid off already, by the way. And, and God just blessed us like that, where it looked, you know, I know that I have a really good congregation, but I bet there were probably at least one or two people in here last year thought I was going to die. I mean, you know, it's just a possibility that may have been thought, because I know if I saw somebody going through those things, I might think that a little bit. and say, no, 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 I'm going to stand on the Word and agree with them like that. And so I'm telling you, this attitude, you've got to get it. When Jesus says it, you got to shut your head off. And I don't care. I don't care how many times it didn't work before. If you're a person of the Word, and you sit in the Word of God, it's not just a head thing, but a heart thing where it connects with your heart. And you know, man, i got to do that. When you do that, it's nevertheless at thy Word. Let me give you a couple really, really good examples. Look at Proverbs 22.6. I want you to see this. And this is especially... For the young parents in here. Proverbs 22, 6. And we're talking about being doers of the word and not hearers only. And if you are a, uh, I don't know what to say. Shall I say this? If you are a goofy parent, if you are a uh, non-consistent parent, if you're a parent that uh, lives an unstable, double-minded life, then you might want to stick your toes under your seat. But if you're a parent that wants to change, that wants your children to grow up serving God, blessed of God, living for God, and never going back, then you want to listen to this. 
Proverbs 22.6 says, And when he is old, he shall not depart from it. You know, there's a doer part of that word first. Train up a child the way he should go. You know what that's called? That's called instructions you must act, act on if you want your child to keep serving God when they're the age where they can make their own choices. Train up a child in the way you should go. Can I tell you something that... Oh, thank you, Jesus. We don't have any religious people here tonight, do we? We have people that are teachable. Okay, what's our theme verse for the year? Don't neglect your church meetings as some people do. So much more as we see the day approaching because Jesus is coming back. We have church meetings Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, men's meetings, women's meetings, special meetings, women's groups, men's groups, kid groups, young married groups, single people's groups, all kinds of different groups. They're called meetings. And we need, if you've got a church that has you so many different ways to get under the anointing, so many different ways to hear the Word of God, so many different ways to have church fellowship, we need to start spending some time around the people of God. But the thing is, your children says, train up a child the way it should go. How many want their children to grow up, serve God, not walk away, become addicts, become pregnant, not be married? When they get married, married somebody that's opposite sex. I just got to warn you, I'm not politically correct, I'm biblically correct. I'm going I'm to agree with the Bible. Amen. So if you want your children to go the way they should go, which is the Bible way, it says you have a part to play. And trade up means by example. And I think, I think about Sonia. I used to do a little bit of exercise with her. She didn't just, I said a little bit, two times for a little bit. And pastor, just Take it easy. If you can't do it, that's okay. Here, Pastor, take the shortcut. Just do it this way. But what I'm saying is this. She trains people by example. She doesn't just say, she doesn't just say, do what I say, but ignore what I do. Because she did right and told right. And so for parents, if you're going to train your child the way it should go, you don't just tell them what to do. You get out in front of them, you lead them what to do. If you want to, if you want your children to stay in church and stay serious about God, then you stay in church, stay serious about God. Hey, man, doing better preaching than you are shouting. One more verse to look at. Look at Malachi chapter three. Malachi chapter three. And I've just shown you some serious examples of not making the mistake too many Christians make and never receive from God, you got to obey the Bible. Malachi chapter 3, I want to read verse 10 and verse 11. Now look at this. God says, I will open you the windows of heaven. I'll pour out a blessing. There will not be room enough to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit for the time the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Did anybody notice we left out a key part? Did anybody else left out a key part? 
Too many Christians want to quote the blessing part. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for buking the devourer. Thank you, Lord, for the windows of heaven open, blessing me. That's not what God said. God said, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. God said, first two words, bring ye. Well, you know what that means? That means you must bring yourself if you're going to bring ye. You know why God says bring ye? He wants you sitting under the anointing, under the word of God to bring ye. He says all the tithes. God says bring ye all the tithes. And then he says, I rebuke the devourer. Windows of heaven are open. Pour out my blessing. You don't even have room enough to receive it. But God said, bring ye all the tithes. Somebody said, yeah, but my poor old mama, she needs a good part of it. Your mama's not God. Somebody said, yeah, but I know I've, 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 I've got an aunt that's really hurting and she really counts on what I give her. Well, I'll tell you what, if you will switch from doing what you do to give it to God, first you'll have more for mama and you'll have more for aunt. Oh well, we'll close it, we'll close it down right there. That's about, <clears throat> that's about as much good as I can do for you tonight. But I'm telling you right now, that's one of the major reasons that too many believers fail to receive all God has for them, cause they're not acting on the word they know. You hear it preached, you sit the word of God, just make up your mind. Nevertheless, at thy word, Lord, and they just do it. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.